Welcome to Side Talks. This is the Sidewalk Film Festival and Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema's one-stop shop podcast to talk about all things cinema. My name is Corey Kraft. I am a programmer for all those things I just mentioned. Man, this is our best retro. Well, did you hear that? No, that, you nailed it. That was great. The festival is in like four days, y'all. Yeah, we're anyway. Sleeping. Side Talks. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. Let's talk cinema, y'all. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute. Round one. Fight. fight. Hey, Corey. Hey, Rachel. You know what it's time for? I think it's time for a five-minute fight. Five-minute fight. Hey, what are we fighting about? I think we're fighting about uh, my favorite movie of the year so far and inexplicably a movie you dislike for no reason you sound that I can worried tell. i'm worried um that i'm gonna get like really really angry uh we're fighting about quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood which i talked about on the the podcast uh, a few episodes ago right. you caught up with it you don't like it i am deeply curious to hear why so I'm going to kind of start with this, and then I'll let you take it. And that is that the last 20 minutes is really enjoyable, for the most part. Sure. It doesn't mean it's not problematic. It just means that I think the last 20 minutes is enjoyable. Yep. I hope Won't somebody started somebody the clock because we're fighting. Please so, think of the Manson family, those poor angels. That's not what I'm talking about at all, about it being problematic. I'm talking about the fact that, you know, just any man smashing a woman into pieces, spoiler alert, is just a pain in my ass. I'm sorry, but it is. But it doesn't mean that that 20 minutes isn't enjoyable. Okay. Like that's aside from it. Like the last 20 20 minutes he lands it how do you explain the rest of the film go okay um it's uh, a love letter to that era of hollywood it's, it's a uh, love letter to his damn self well you know i think all of his films are to a degree a love letter to himself Gross. and if you don't like him and you have made it very clear that you do not <laughs> then i, I like see... jackie brown i said it okay sure i could see why you wouldn't like this but to me, this is one of his most mature, most fully realized works, a not only a love letter to that era, but sort of, I guess, a, a, a cry about his increasing feelings of obsolescence and um, sort of how to, as I think I put it on the, the podcast a few weeks ago, how to bow out gracefully when the culture has passed you by and what better period of time in Hollywood history to set this than at that flashpoint moment in 1969, the beginning of the sort of new Hollywood movement uh, that leaves behind so many of the things that, that Tarantino as a young person and now as a filmmaker so clearly reveres. Um, Hashtag Tarantino's so white. This oh, film is okay. problematic to AF, and you know it. It's an hour too long, I and care. I think you know it. I don't care about either of those things. Okay, well, there you so go. That's enjoyable. That's it's the problem. Such a you don't, to you're watch. a white dude. Why would you care? Oh, I'm sick God. and tired of finishing a film and asking myself, does this filmmaker have a problem with women? Does this filmmaker hate women? Do you That's honestly ti- think Quentin Tarantino hates women? I. I'm asking that question because this film hates women. Oh, you're just women. out here asking questions? This, this film hates Great. women. No, Every, it doesn't. Yes, it absolutely does. They're cardboard cutouts of women. This, His this little film... foot fetish indulgence. Oh, my God. Okay, it's... whatever. I don't care about that. This film That's thinks... clear. <sighs> this film 
idolizes Sharon Tate and uses that figure of Sharon Tate. This film doesn't know Sharon Tate, and it uh, may idolize no, I her disagree feet. With that. Oh, it, come on. No, 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 no. Also, okay, let's put pause on that because I don't know that, you know, we can go there in five minutes or what two or whatever's yeah, left. Yeah, this might be need, and, need to be a 10-minute fight. Right, but I will say the damn thing's too long. Tarantino thinks he's above notes. He should have gotten notes and he's not doing it. Do you find There's no an, pleasure, though, in those scenes of, of driving through L.A. and oh, listening yes. to and music? Oh, yes, and there's lots of films with scenes of driving through L.A. and neon being lit up nah, that I find very well, enjoyable, but the damn thing is 45 minutes to an hour too long. No, strongly and disagree. If, listen, when you're at when you are at the pay grade that Leo is at, there is no excuse for that freaking accent. Oh my God, I knew you were going to go there. That's Well, why wouldn't I? Because it sucks. It does And it's not. all the way through the film. I'm got an accent. This is and a it's great performance right. by him. This no, is a great not. performance from Brad Pitt. I think this is a great performance from Brad Margot Pitt's Robbie as like well. Brad Pitt's like an apple on a table in this film. I'm tired of seeing men rage an out. An apple on a table? That's what he is to me. He just like looks like an apple. He's You're going to have to clear that that out but i i don't really understand he's that. boring oh God. Mm. no no we're recording this in separate rooms and i think that's a good thing today i mean for real because you know i mean well, you might push me around i find on- that this is such a it's such an enjoyable moment by moment scene by scene just second by second and shot by shot film to watch there is mm. so much aesthetically that that is so pleasurable about it i find it an overwhelming experience i can't wait to see it again Corey, do you have a foot fetish I personally do like not, it? but I am not going to shame anybody for having one. Oh, I'm not going to shame all, him for Quentin having Tarantino. it. I just don't appreciate him pushing these female actresses into putting their feet in the screen for his enjoyment. Do you think and he was my like holding a gun to them? Off, no, I think he was holding camera? the paycheck. Oh my god! And I also think he was holding the fact that he's Tarantino, which basically is holding his dick in his hand, which is what this <sighs> film, film feels like. Uh-oh. I think Sam? Anybody, any any actress who signs up to be in a Tarantino <laughs> movie knows that their feet are. Gonna be shown yeah, I think they know they're gonna get it. paid good for them and give great career best performances that's good is that too. what that was yeah sure because it, it just looked like i don't know oh my god rachel didn't me. like the tarantino movie can you guys believe it oh go to hell <laughs> that was that was a great fight that guy heated all right um so i guess well spoiler alert i am definitely siding with rachel on this one um i uh, agree with Corey. he makes a good point like it's the world is completely fully realized it's like a love letter to his work and his the rest of his career but also it's extremely self-indulgent on the other side of that fence um and it's just way way too long and problematic um and i, I like how rachel said rachel gets points for your saying get probably accurately guessing that quentin definitely gets notes and feedback from his crew but he just completely ignores them um and yeah, it's it's just too long. No one needs to sit in a theater for three hours almost, even if it's superheroes or Quentin Tarantino uh, f- feet. And yeah, the performances. Brad Pitt's amazing, but DiCaprio is completely overrated. I have to side with Rachel. All he does is just kind of stutter in a slight accent, and that's supposed to be impressive. I don't know. Um, and yeah, if I wanted to see that many images of feet, I would just like go buy them online, but I'm not gonna do that. Um, and overall, I loved the alt- the alternate history fairy tale aspect of it, but really, I only enjoyed the last 20 minutes of it. The it was the most 
it was what I expected the rest of the movie to be. So yeah, Rachel wins by a lot. <laughs> Corey, are you okay? <laughs> and now a look at what we're watching this week. Hey, Corey. Hey, Rachel. What you watching? Not much. Um, it's a pretty terrible time of year to sit down and leisurely watch um, uh, a motion picture at the moment. Um, with uh, a festival on the way and a cinema on the way and school starting. Um, but in recent weeks, I, I sat down and watched a couple movies from earlier this year that I hadn't seen. I got, got copies on Blu-ray from the public library, brought them home, and finally got around to watching um, the uh, dark comedy thriller uh, Cold Pursuit uh, starring Liam Neeson no. and um, Neil Jordan's recent film Greta with like uh, Isabelle Huppert and Chloe Grace Moretz. Hey, uh, guess which one I liked more? I don't know, but I need a trigger warning whenever you say Liam Neeson, please. Okay. Well, trigger warning. I liked the Liam Neeson movie more. Blech. Yeah. You're um, kidding. You I don't. What were, about Greta? I, I thought Greta was fine. I thought oh, Cold Pursuit was... Oh, I feel was, a five-minute fight coming on. I, I mean, I guess we're going to have to. Um, Countered. Maybe we should put a pin in that for now and well, come back and and, dis, and do it next time. I can't believe you're saying that you like the Liam Neeson film more than you like Greta, because I'm trying to think of any Liam Neeson film that's okay to say that about. I, I can can't. name about 15. Gross. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do generally like those those latter day niece and action movies. Um, have I mentioned his face looks like a piece of ham? You have, um, and not dealing with the face ham situation. Um, I thought the movie Cold Pursuit, which is a remake, I think, of a Norwegian thriller called In Order of Disappearance, um, was sharper than usual. It reminded me of an Elmore Leonard uh, style crime thriller. Flashes of dark comedy as this um, snowplow operator played by Neeson um, in rural Colorado tries to uh, solve the mystery of his son's death, which leads him into this um, crime underworld. And it, Wait, this is called Taken. This You've is got not the wrong called film. Taken because Taken is about a girl who is <gasps> oh, Taken. Oh, okay, I see. This is about, this is a, about young, a son, not a daughter. son who is killed. Um, so it's different like that. <laughs> um, you don't really like this movie. I, I do. I, I don't love it. I think it's got its <laughs> issues. But the reason I like it isn't because of the the Neeson action thing. I like it because it's got a really like weird, um, semi-perverse sense of humor that I really responded to. Um, a lot of crime henchmen with really stupid nicknames um Elmore Leonard style get kind of bumped off and every time you know every time a character dies in this movie the screen cuts to black and their their name comes up with a little cross underneath indicating that they have they have oh. uh, died you, and you like that I did um because it is deployed as the movie continues in increasingly absurd and silly and comic ways um you know, I, I expected to this this to be kind of a straight-faced thing in the style of Taken, which is not a movie I like very much. And which was, one? All ten of them? All all three of the Takens are, are kind of bad. Um, but this ended up surprising me and having a really nice sense of humor, or a really dark sense of humor, which I find nice, and um, I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, did you get a ham sandwich while you're watching it? 
No, no, no. But next Missed time. Missed opportunity. Yeah, next time. What What are you watching? So um, I'm watching actually, similar to you, I'm like, man, you know what's weird? Um, opening a movie theater is hard. Yeah, yeah. It uh, turns out it's a great <laughs> thing to do, but it will take up a lot of energy. And then if you do that at the same time that a film festival is, you know, it's like, Not anyway, advisable. Nobody really wants to hear me complain. So, but I did take an evening off and I thought, I'm going to watch this thing, this um, I Love You Now Die. Oh. Do you know about this? I don't. So it's um, it's a documentary, but it's actually it's I guess you could call it a mini series. It's mm-hmm. sp- it's split into two different parts. It's mostly because the runtime's two and a half hours, and unlike Tarantino, some people look at a film and go, "Ah, it's a little too long, Jesus two and a half Christ. hours." So they split it into two different sections, um, and it's uh, it is about the the young woman Michelle Carter. Um, oh, I have heard of this. Yeah. Okay. And so then, as you know, she she's the woman who, you know, hit the news um, several years ago. I think I said this because she's the person who texted her boyfriend to kill himself. Yeah. Um, And so this documentary looks at that really at the case, right, at the court case to to try to prosecute her. And the first section, which is the shorter section, is about an hour long, is uh, is just called the prosecution. And Mm -hmm. it just works to show sort of the backstory of the case and the prosecution's attempt to put her in jail um, and win the case, of course. And then the second half is called the defense. And it's more like a, you know, a 90 minute, like 80 minute kind of deal. And it's called the defense. And it's, a it, you know, it, um, it looks at her defense. And so I thought it was really, really well done, uh, especially in that format, right? Yeah. Especially in this sort of like, I will say that I, maybe if I'd watched it as one feature, it would have felt like you know, way too much, but it being a bit episodic made all the difference. Um, and I did watch the first one, I will say, and said, I'm just going to, you know, I really should be working. I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to watch this and try to like, you know, clear my mind with the, you know, little light and, you know, documentary about uh, suicide. Sure. And, um, and anyway, so I watched that and then, you know, worked a little bit. And then I was like, man, I, I got to watch the other part. And I did. And I thought it was really, really good. And um, what I love about it is, do you, do you remember Hot Coffee? The yeah. film Hot Coffee? I think we screened that at Sidewalk. Um, you know, the thing about Hot Coffee was I kind of went into that having the sort of pop co- uh, pop culture knowledge of that situation, which was the woman who sued McDonald's. And when I saw that, I was like, I thought I knew everything about this court case. Um, and then watched it and was like, what the hell? You know, like, damn, they burnt those that woman's legs off and like mm-hmm. she should have won. And fuck you, McDonald's. Um, I had a very similar experience with this. Like, I don't want to give too much away, but like I definitely was like, oh, what a, you know, yeah. what a bad person. Dexting him and he d-. A totally different perspective on it. I'm not going to say that I'm like this person was right and that person was wrong. I'm just going to say that I think that, you know, it's just a reminder that all situations in life, you know, have or are, are not all, but. The vast majority tend to have more gray areas than we oftentimes assume. Sure. Um, and this was really interesting in that way. Um, yeah. I, I really, I think it's really, really good. Um, yeah. So it's on HBO? It is. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll check it out after the festival. That sounds good. Cool. That's what I'm watching. And now, Fast Film Terms. Corey. Yes, Rachel. Fast Film Terms. It's Fast Film Terms time. So um, I like when we do that. Um, so he, here's the deal. I, you know, we're not going to do terms today. I'm going to kind of talk just a little bit about video editing for a second. Okay. Um, and, and this is really not meant for folks who, you know, are in the industry, um, but more about like if you are, uh, it's like a little, in my advice, advice from me, 
um, for what that's worth, about getting into like a beginning editing situation if, for folks who are who are thinking about, you know, oh, I want to cut my own stuff um, for whatever, even if that's just for like, you know, I don't know, family reunion. Um, and that is that I really highly recommend that folks do, if, if you're interested at all in ever editing at any kind of particular level, uh, and I'd be interested to hear what Kyle's opinion of this is, because I am not an editor, editor by trade, um, even though I was trained at one point in my life. Um, but I, I really recommend not actually entering into the world of editing using something like iMovie. I think that iMovie teaches you how to edit backwards. Mm -hmm. I do think there's value, actually, in maybe learning iMovie once you've learned another software. Um, But I would recommend that if you're interested in maybe pursuing editing in any way, even if it's not professionally, but just in a more advanced way, I would actually start with something like Premiere Pro um, or Final Cut X, 10, whatever you want to call it. yeah, and and so maybe in the fast film tour, uh, fa- say it. Can you say fast it? Fast film term world. Um, what I would say is that um, do you know what the industry standard? Uh, even though I wouldn't say there's one solid one, what some of the industry standard editing softwares are. I mean, Final Cut uh, is the one that comes to mind immediately, and I was when I had my uh, education in film making. Uh, that's what I was trained on, or at least learned. Uh, learned how to use, but a much, 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 much earlier version. Right. So, the, but you probably day. used the good version. I mean, Final Cut Seven was uh, is actually what the Cohen brothers are still cutting on. Yeah. But um, when they moved to X or Ten or however you want to say it, um, you know, things got changed around a bit. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, you could use that. And I know that some of the, I know that like some, I think public television some um, use that in a pretty sophisticated way. Um, but I think that in you know in a lot of circles they people would say Avid mm-hmm. um, is is it is, is you know if there's going to be a standard that's part of it. And then Premiere Pro yeah um, is what comes up a lot. So yeah. And I have no experience on either, and would love to play around. Yeah, and I mean the cool thing about Premiere Pro is that you can get a license for you know you can pay the twenty bucks a month and kind of experiment with it. Sure. So sounds good. Fast film terms, kinda. What? Corey. Yes, Rachel. Take off your headphones. Okay. What's this shit? Wow, you just shattered a glass I was holding in my hands. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, I know. It really is. It really, really is. Um, okay, so I'm at the gym. Okay. Um, I'm on the treadmill. You said the full word. I'm, I I'm did. I was scared. trying to see if you'd catch it or not. Anyway, at first I can't see the screen because one of these juicers is like down in the aisle lifting weights. And I'm like, move your balls, dude. I need to see the screen for Corey. Um, anyway, so and the, the hot girl was there. She's wearing a racerback shirt, whatever. I need to see the screen so I can bring you what's the shit. Um, and the dude did finally move his balls and I saw it. And it, it's a little bit different than... Um, the usual fare okay. at the cardio cinema. Um, and that is, there's a, I'm going to think it's really hard to do this without totally giving it away to something that you're going to know what it is, but I bet unfairly. Okay. So I'm going to do it this way. So there's an older woman, All what, right. what looks to be an older woman, um, heavy set, sitting in a chair, being very, very sassy. There are a lot of jokes, and those jokes are, you know, things about like, this player and that player and um yeah i don't know like old timers and then all kinds of stuff um and she's holding her purse in her lap and then it cuts to like a soap opera level 
discussion between in a bedroom between um, two very young, attractive people, and there seems to be some cheating or something going on. You, okay. see, you hear how different this is for this, Cardio Cinema. Yeah, this is, Somebody went rogue. Nobody's driving cars into anything. <laughs> yeah, and I don't see Chris Pine, and I don't see Ham Face. Oh um, so it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. I, I was like, kind of enjoying it. Um, I also had on my headphones for a minute, like not my headphones, but I had earbuds on because you okay. know, I'm trying to um, keep it streamlined. Uh, anyway, and I was listening to Barbara Streisand, the main event. Uh, of course. Which I highly recommend listening to at the gym. Um, and I do hope Boutwell will put just a little moment of, of that in here because I think it makes everything better. So anyway, this film to Barbara Streisand's The Main Event was about as surreal as it gets. Um, anyway, I'll keep going because you haven't guessed it yet. Because I I don't have a whole lot to go off of here. Really? But, Seems like a lot. I didn't watch Barbara Streisand or listen to Barbara Streisand while watching a movie. Well, anyway, I did. Okay. Uh, made for a much better soundtrack than I would bet was on here. Anyway, sure. next thing you know, we're in a funeral home. And there's a really bad joke about uh, the the corpse having taken too much um, Viagra and it's lifting the, you know, the D is lifting up the coffin. It was uh, keeping in mind that, like I told you, at one point I took the main event out of my ears and Mm. I was like, boy, this is really not funny. Who who are some of the people telling these jokes? If I tell you that, you're going to know who it is. You're going to know what it is. And let me just say this, and then we'll get back to it. Okay. And then we'll see that you'll guess it. Um, it, it cuts then again. It is a very formulaic film that cuts uh-huh. from these really bad joke scenes um, that are kind of the same joke over and over again to very highly like melodramatic scenes with a couple and you know and and really feels soap opera ish and it's just like there's the soap opera scene there's the funny scene there's a soap opera scene there's a funny scene um it's tyler perry playing like 10 different roles oh okay but i would have thought you would have gotten it by now no because um well this is probably that medea funeral thing that came out right Um, oh i'm sure i mean I don't I didn't go look at the DVD box yeah. or anything, but I yeah, I mean, the minute they got to the funeral home, I was like, oh, so okay. when I was still at the Tuscaloosa News and I made it my business to try to watch every single DVD and Blu-ray release that came out every week and write right. about them, um, I came I made a decision at a certain point. I, I had watched enough Tyler Perry movies to realize that he wasn't for me. That obviously he had an audience out there and they were enjoying it, but clearly I was not. And I didn't think there was any chance of that changing. So I decided to have a clean break from Tyler Perry and his films. And and with exception of like him showing up in David Fincher's Gone Girl and things like that. We can argue about that later, too, because I didn't like it. Oh, shit. Yeah, we're going to argue about that. Hey, Sam, can you make a note? Um. With exception of him popping up in things, uh, I've I've really stuck by that. Haven't seen any of these newfangled uh, recent Medea Man, movies. It's, you know what, it, this wasn't good. Yeah, um, that's kind of the impression I had from those early ones. And um, yeah, it's worked out so far. He's continuing to be massively successful in Atlanta, and I'm continuing to be who I am uh, here in Birmingham and um, our paths haven't crossed and uh, we're probably better for it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm, it's look, there's, 
there are there's there are reasons for for films for certain films to exist. There's no reason for some to exist, but there's reasons for certain films to exist, and and, and they serve their purpose. Um, you know, uh, I this is a big discussion that I've been a part of at at different sort of film festival alliance things and whatever um, about the sort of value of the uh, of these and what they mean. And I mean, certainly representing an underrepresented community. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure that I'm the best person to to speak about them, but I can tell you that I I didn't find this particular film enjoyable, except that there was something kind of fun about watching it with Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I, I can see how that would be enjoyable, or at least pleasantly surreal but maybe the biggest elephant in the room here is that who the hell had control of the cardio cinema i mean this is totally different right yeah no no trains uh no jason Bourne, no vin diesel yeah what happened somebody was sick that day i would love to have seen this dvd get sort of like i feel like snuck in there that i was really happy about that i was like oh man somebody really went there and i appreciate that so i'm going to give credit to Whoever did that, and I would love to know who that was. You, um, you should sneak in some films yourself. Sneak I've in, tried like, it. You know I've tried well, it. Well, I know you have, but like, do something super weird. Like sneak in like Olivier Assayas's Clouds of Sils Maria or something. I mean, I've tried similar, and they just go, I don't know where they go. They go mm. into the abyss. That's they don't even put them on. That's a shame. Yeah. But anyway, we figured out where, your, uh, where the line of your knowledge is drawn here for yeah. reals. Yeah. Yeah. You lose. Yeah, I do. Wait, I guessed it. I don't lose. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Well, sure. You should have known the minute I said, you know, what? what looks to be a woman and a, you know, that's, anyway. That I was, was, that say, was that's too a, obscure a, a clue, I think. <laughs> I was trying to Lots nod my head. Lots of people look to be women. <laughs> All right, touche. So now it's time for Kyle's Corner. Kyle McKinnon is the features programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. He's going to take a few minutes to talk about whatever the heck he wants to. Hello, I'm Kyle. You'll have to excuse me. I'm very loopy. I uh, have had poor sleep recently, like in the past few months, but also additionally, I right after work drove to Atlanta yesterday to go see Brian Ferry perform and it was completely awesome and ended up going back to bed at 1.30 this morning and then waking up promptly at 5.30 in the morning to get ready and make breakfast and start my day. That show is fantastic, by the way. Um, Brian Ferry, you may or may not know, the frontman of legendary glam rock band Roxy Music, also has a really great solo career. And I guess for the movie tie-in, he did a song for the Ridley Scott movie Legend, And also, Ridley Scott directed his music video for Roxy Music's Avalon, which is very lovely. No, he was was fantastic. His band completely ruled. They had this casualness, uh, which was an interesting contrast to just how really, really great they were, uh, how tight they were. And he was really, really lovely in his suit. Um, I ran into some neighbors, some friends of mine, uh, including Andrea, who pointed out that as well as he performed last night, you also kind of wondered if he was just going to kind of drop dead too, because he is he is well into his 70s at this point, and, and he was well-dressed. It was almost as if he, was, uh, he could just kind of drop dead and look great for a coffin in that suit. Anyway, like I said, I'm feeling kind of loopy, so there, that's not what I'm here to talk about, but... Since we're showing Jennifer Kent's movie, The Nightingale, I wanted to relay a story of my experience watching the film The Babadook when it came out several years ago. I've had this 
uh, kind of tumultuous relationship with a movie theater in town. I won't say its name because it's still open. And this this mostly all goes back to its first few years, not so much how it is now. I think things have changed and it's it's doing things much better. But when this theater opened, it kind of promised to be the, the theater that would um, be showing movies we normally wouldn't get to see in Birmingham. Um, including foreign films and just general independent films. And they were also the only theater in town that regularly showed 35-millimeter prints. So I was super stoked, and I lived really close to there. And I remember um, the weekend it opened, I went to a screening of one of the um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies, and the the picture was blown up too big for the screen and that movie has subtitles since it's it's a it's in the swedish language and the subtitles were not on the screen they were bleeding into the black mat below the screen and were illegible and uh so i ran out to the lobby and told someone that the the image is wrong that i can't read the subtitles so they got on the radio and the solution to that was not to shrink the image down so that it fit properly in the frame of the screen, but instead to bump the projector up, to, t- to bump it upward so that now the subtitles are on the screen, but everyone's faces are cut off around the nose line. Uh, and so the rest of them are being projected off screen above the screen. And uh, at that point, there was nothing that could be done about it. I, uh, I was so kind of miffed by it and I I even talked to the manager there and was just like listen I don't know how to run a 35 millimeter projector I do have a day job but I will volunteer my time for free if you'd please just let me uh, come in kind of like as a projectionist intern and I gave him my resume and he kind of just looked and just kind of did not care and uh, I said well just call me if you're interested I'll do it for free and then I never heard back from them. Another time, there was a film they showed. It was that, that film that took place in the mental ward with Zach Galifianakis. I can't remember its name. But that film, there were two different times where uh, the image got bumped, like the entire image got bumped halfway off the screen when there would be uh, like a real splice. And that happened two times. And so that was two different times I had to go out into the um, hallway or the lobby and find somebody who could talk to the projectionist and like, I don't know, slap the projector or something like that that would correct the, the, the image. So my patience is wearing a little bit thin. But flash forward to when the Babadook came out. My friend Drew from Atlanta, I guess he was living in Austin at the time. He was, he was in he was in town visiting, and we were both really eager to see his movie. It, I think it played Sundance. It, uh, it got really, really great reviews, and so uh, it had also been a long time since like, a promising horror movie had come out in theaters. So we went, and right as the trailer started, I noticed that it was loud, not just like a like an action trailer or something like that that might have like these peaks in volume, but it was just like uncomfortably loud. And that was really for foreshadowing of what would come. I, I was telling Drew, it's like, I, if this is indicative of what the rest of the movie is going to be like, I cannot do this. Like, because this is uh, like hurting my ears and, and, you know, could be close to giving me a headache. But like horror movies are one thing that you can count on especially a movie that is ghost-centric, the sound design is going to be really uh, intense. And that includes uh, sounds coming from all around you, but especially there's going to be um, a good chance that there's going to be jump scares, which are loud blasts of sound usually, um, accompanied by something fast happening on screen. 
And so I was like, I'm just, this, this is going to suck. But I do, I, I remembered I do have earplugs in my car. I have, I, I mean, I actually have a lot of weird stuff in my car. I always have a, an emergency space blanket and I always have waterproof matches and um, an emergency whistle for if you get lost in the woods. And I also strangely have a lot of fireworks. Not a lot. I have some fireworks in my car just all the time. But I also have a bag of earplugs. So I tell Drew, take, I'm going to go get some earplugs. Would you like some? He says, yes. And I leave the theater. And as I'm kind of making my way straight uh, out through the lobby to go to my car, a friend of mine who worked at the theater at that time saw me and said, hey, what movie are you getting out of? And I was like, oh, I'm actually in a movie. I'm, it's really loud, and I'm, so I'm getting some earplugs. And he said, wait, what theater number are you in? And I point over to the one. It's like, oh, it's theater number seven. And he says, oh, man, that is too bad because that's the one theater we can't change the volume to. It's locked in the way it is. And no one on staff could do anything about it. So I went to my car and I got earplugs and I'm really, really grateful I had that. Gave them to my friend Drew too. That really made the movie, uh, it made it such a really, really um, less painful experience. And I ended up loving the movie. Also, there were people in the audience that were putting their fingers in their ears very frequently. So yeah, I was pretty happy about that. Uh, yeah, The Nightingale comes out really soon. That's Jennifer Kent's follow-up movie that is very different from The Babadook. Uh, we all um, hold it really, really highly. Uh, it's probably one of the best movies that has come out in years. And uh, it's going to be playing at the Sidewalk Cinema, hopefully by the time you get this podcast. Um, and it will have played the festival as well. All right, I'm Kyle McKinnon. This is the, uh, the concert report and the look back at loud movies. Thank you. Kyle McKinnon is a feature film programmer for the Sidewalk Film Center and Cinema. Okay, Corey, so I've got a a new segment that I think we won't do every episode, maybe not even every other, but occasionally, and it's called Reflections. There needs to be like a wind chime sound there. Oh, that's that's perfect. Okay. So if everybody remember, this is Reflections. Everybody remember, I'm sure, uh, who's just listening to every episode at every minute when it comes out, um, that a couple of sort of episodes ago, I screwed up and messed up when it came to Crash. Right? You you confused the Paul Haggis Oscar-winning Crash with David Cronenberg's Crash. Well, I wouldn't say I confused the two. I'd say that I was under the impression that the wrong one had won the Oscar, and the one that had actually won the Oscar is, according to you guys, super bad. Yes. Uh, not like bad, like badass, but bad like in the garbage can shit. Yes, it's very bad. And I haven't seen it, and I plan to, even though y'all told me don't worry about it. But the point is here that I got it wrong, and there was a big, huge, could you say, um, I mean, it was like an overwhelming little bit of a freak out from you and Kyle and other folks, right? Um, I, I wouldn't characterize it as a freak out, but sure. I mean, Kyle stood up and kind of like was like, oh my God, you know, this kind of thing, right? And you seemed pretty shocked. I was a little shocked, yes. Okay, so... Um, 
you know, people are going to be surprised to hear this, but we actually listen to these episodes and then we give notes. Oftentimes we don't give notes because Boutwell's really good at getting it right. But oftentimes we give notes and sometimes those are about things that we've screwed up. And, you know, every once in a while we're like, oh, this could go or whatever. Um, and I know this, you know, it just sounds so flawless. You're like, of course, y'all spend hours editing it. Um, but anyway, point being that I listened to that episode and I had known that I'd made that mistake. And I mean, I did have a thought of like, should we just cut that out? Because, you know, I teach film and I should get stuff right. And I mean, I think it's just maybe ego that I mean, nobody really likes to be wrong. Right. Um, and so anyway, I, it was a consideration of like, you know, is this ego? Should I leave it in? What should I do? And so I actually played it for one of our interns at Sidewalk and, and had her listen to it and kind of said, what do you think about this? And the intern listened to it. And she said, um, you know what, actually, it's and, and I didn't give her any there was no I didn't preface this in any way. I don't even think she really listens to the podcast. Can we make interns listen to the podcast? I think we should force every intern to listen to the podcast. That yeah. would grow our audience by like 2000 <laughs> um, percent. Anyway, I don't know that she even listens to the podcast, but she kind of turned to me and said she's very young. And she said, um, you know, it actually kind of reminds me of like when I'm in class and some of the guys in class, I, there's a film I haven't seen and they kind of razz me about it. Um, and, you know, I hate like. It's kind of like an asshole move, right? And I'm not saying that I don't think she thought you guys were assholes. And I certainly don't think she knows, you know, I I mean, I wasn't thinking that I was more focused on like, how do you know, how bad is this? How, you know, whatever, whatever. And and so the point being, though, that it kind of made me want to stop and 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 first of all, mention it, that I do think that um, oftentimes and, and this is you're talking, you know, this is somebody who I was the only I was one of 10 women in a film school a film program of like 200 and something dudes. And uh, I think that, you know, there are barriers clearly mm-hmm. to, to to folks pursuing things. And I think I guess I just wanted to take the opportunity to kind of say, like, first, first of all, like, it's OK to get things wrong. Sure. Um, it's a big world. Like, it's a big world of film, but like it's a big world period. And it's OK to get get things wrong um and to like i don't know uh, you, you kind of see where i'm going with this at all yeah well you know um i'd say most people are probably not familiar with david cronenberg's crash the paul haggis crash has kind of rightfully gotten lost in the sands of time There, are i mean two movies with the same title and i i never like it when movies steal titles from other movies it's kind of uh confusing well you know and i'm not trying to justify the mistake i should probably have been more aware of what the academy's up to um no really i mean you know it's not it's not about that it really is just about kind of saying like i really wish there weren't barriers and like the fact that this young woman told me that she's like in a film class and that there's a bunch of like dudes laughing at her because there's films she hasn't seen really pisses me off that's not that's not what was happening here but the fact that that's what reminded her yeah. you know that these barriers exist for women and not just for women but for you know for like, I mean, look, go to a film festival, look around the room, tell me what you see. Let's all face it. It's a bunch of white dudes, um, you know, and, and there are exceptions to that. But I'm just saying for the most part, and that's it's changed a lot in the last 10 years. And I think it's continuing to change. But that certainly was the case. I mean, there was always a joke. I remember like 15 years ago where it's like, how do you find the venue? You walk around and when you see a bunch of, you know, dudes in rock and roll T-shirts with jeans and, and um, Ray-Bans on. And, and they're, you know, the sun is bouncing off their white skin. Like, that's where the venue is. 
So, I mean, I'm just point being that, like, I wish these barriers didn't exist. I wish everybody felt, you know, no matter who you are, comfortable, like, to get shit wrong, that you don't jump into, um, you know, any area and know everything. Um, and that I hope that, you know, that people feel okay to make mistakes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, we're, we're both educators, and that's a good philosophy by which to teach. Um you know, if my students in my film class ever say, I've never seen that movie, my impulse, you know, rightfully is not to shame them, but to tell them, you know, what they should check out and maybe give them a copy and, and give them some other recommendations. That's kind of what this should all be about. Sure. And then I'll land on the fact that Kyle had a really great that um, what came out of that, too, is a really great idea for a, a film screening, which is that we should do like. We should p- invite people to come see Crash, and then maybe we, like, spin a wheel, and whichever one it lands on is the one we screen. Can you imagine <laughs> ever screening either of those movies at our venue twice? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, but one of them I haven't seen, so yeah. I don't know. When you see like- it, you will know how nauseating of a proposition that is. Well, maybe when we spin the wheel, it'll land on that one. I'd we'll much see. rather watch Cronenberg's Crash multiple times myself uh that's a whole nother topic anyway <laughs> reflections wind chime well thank you so much for listening to your own cinematic uh mo i don't know axel and slash okay that's good yeah i understand that reference well I'm definitely Axel, just so you know. That's, FYI. That's, okay, sure. We appreciate you listening. Yes, thank you. Um, and if you listen to us on iTunes or any other podcatcher, please rate and review us. A five-star review is super helpful. Uh, it raises the profile of the show and helps increase our listenership drastically, by which I mean a single additional listener would increase our listening chip drastically. Um, wait, is podcatcher a word? Yeah. That's it, a thing? People say that. Oh my gosh, we got to add that to fast film terms. I listen to podcasts and a bunch of people say that. Oh, well, yeah. that's kind of, it sounds cool. It I does. Like, I like it. I like it too. Well, thanks to uh, the podcatchers, uh, Batwell Studios. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank uh, you, you for making are... us sound like we are awake right now. <laughs> you guys are lovely. And of course, to Splash 96, we love our damn music. Yeah, it's great. Check us out on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You'll see all sorts of information about the new cinema, which when this is released should be up and running. Come check it out, y'all. Yippee! Hashtag Tarantino so white. (sighs) Give the real one. Uh, Hashtag... What is our hashtag? <laughs> you, <laughs> hashtag side talks. Hashtag side. That's the name of the show. I Sidewalkfest.com, y'all. Come, come see us on the internet and um, tell Rachel she's wrong about Quentin Tarantino. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>